It is good to see you guys here. It is much more fun when someone shows up. Amen. Hey, before we dive in today and get too carried away, I just want to show some honor to Pastor Danny Phillips for preaching last Sunday, stepping in and batting clean up. How about it? Boom. How'd he do? A round of applause if it was really good. Wow. Awesome. Lindsay, his wife, writes his messages, so make sure you see Lindsay afterwards and tell her thank you. For those of you that are logging in and watching us online, welcome. We're glad you're here. You guys look amazing. You look great. Isn't that something you can watch online? You don't have to brush your teeth, fix your hair, nothing. But we're saving a seat for you guys, so hopefully you can come join us soon here at 1910 Church. There are a lot of exciting things happening around here. Uh, spring has sprung. Happy springtime, everyone. I- I'm telling you, are our blue bonnets not like monstro- monstros- monstrosities? or They're huge. Have you noticed that? Man, I'm telling you, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better patch of blue bonnets. I found a couple of our staff members laying in the midst of them getting photos last week in the midst of a work week, but it was awesome. And, uh, but we are excited about all things. Jump-ins coming up next Sunday. Over 300 volunteers have already signed up. We're expecting around 3,000 people to show up on the town square next week between the hours of two to five. And there's a lot of exciting dynamic things happening from games and face paintings to dunk booths, but this might just be my favorite. We're having Frito pie this year, folks. Frito pie. Hey, do you say Frito pie or Frito pie? Frito pie. It's with D. Frito. Wasn't he in like Lord of the Rings or something? Frito? We're in Frito pie next week. It's going to be absolutely incredible. So we hope that you'll make plans to join us, invite somebody to come. Easter's right around the corner as well. Five worship experiences here at 19. Say five. Or where I come from, I mean Cinco. There are five worship experiences that weekend. And out in the atrium today, I know a lot of your basketball brackets have already been shredded and destroyed. You picked a bunch of losers for the NCAA March Madness. Listen, we've got our own bracketology happening out in the atrium. And here's the deal. We are expecting an incredible Easter weekend experience. And it is going to take all of us. Say all of us. It is going to take all of us in order to pull it off. Now, I, I tried to hand my Bible off to somebody walking in today for worship and say, bro, I'm, I'm tapping out. I need you to preach. And he was ready. He could have. I said, no, nah, I'm just joking. I got it. But, but he was ready. He was game day ready. Listen, we want to encourage you. Listen, some of you have not, have not signed up to serve or you've not even served to you. The word serve is, is, is not even in your vocabulary. That's cool. Listen, this is a great time for you to jump in and get involved. Listen, it's time to stop gorging yourself on all that we're giving you around here. We need some exercise. Some of y'all need to get up, quit eating, and you need to exercise. You need to sign up. So listen, you can sit one worship experience over the course of Easter weekend, and you can serve another one. Say sit. Sit. Yes, be careful. Say sit Sit. and say serve. Serve. Say sit and serve. See, you can do that. You guys are good. You 
can handle it. It's going to take all of us in order to pull out. Listen, Easter is, is, is an incredible. We will have so many guests on our campus that weekend. So we need help from parking lot to people at the door to greeters. We, we need people in kids ministry. Uh, we're, we're looking for people to, to be baristas for the day. It is awesome. Um, it's just going to take all of us. So look at your neighbor right now and say, are you in? If they didn't say, yes, I'm in, just wet willy right now. Just <laughs> right in the ear hole. Listen, we want to encourage you to stop by our brackets out in the atrium today and sign up, be a part of our, our, our Easter bracketology coming up. We're calling it April Madness around here. It's going to be awesome. And uh, we loved it. Listen, you've never served and you, you don't even like kids. That's okay. Do we not think that God is able? Didn't we just sing that? He is more than able to give you what you need to suck it up for an hour and 10 minutes. You can do this. You can do it. So we hope that you'll stop by the brackets out in the atrium and, and, and sign up and, and we will get in contact with you and get you trained, equipped, prepared. And, and I'm telling you, for, for one lucky person that signs up, that's, that's, that volunteers Easter weekend, we're going to give an all expense paid cruise for two down the Comal River. And so anyway, we... Uh, We'll provide the tube, amen? And so, uh, we, Pastor Howard, make that happen. His and hers. There is a message coming today for all of our guests are going, why did we come here? This is, of all the churches in Bernie, surrounding areas, so we're glad that you were here. Can we just pray? I need to focus, compose myself. I had a frappuccino in between services and I'm, oh, it's bad. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for being a God that's worth singing about. Isn't he, church? You're worth laughter and, and just fun and joy. You came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. You did. And Father, it is good to be able to experience life and share it with friends and our spiritual family. And Lord, we just pray that your spirit would uh, just move in a mighty way. We know that you're here. Have you already felt the spirit of the Lord present today? We know you're here. So we're not going to have to beg, plead, or you know, ask you to come. You're here. You're present. And what we're asking now, Father, is for you to move in a mighty way. Reality is, if you don't move, God, and if we don't open our lives up for what you want to do, it's, we've just sang some songs today. We've just you know, consumed coffee and a muffin. We've, we've just heard some uh, a slightly overweight, balding guy on stage speak to us for a few. Lord, we need your spirit to come and do a great and awesome work in us. There's a word today, Father, we believe that you have for someone who's never said yes to Jesus and for the person that's been walking with Jesus for years. Lord, I, I believe that there's a word today for people who, who, who are, are, are serving full throttle in kingdom ministry and for those who are just sitting and, and haven't exercised at all. Lord, I, I believe that, that, that for the person today who, 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 who could say that, hey, uh, life is, I'm in a good spot right now, even to the person who right now say, you know what, man, I need Jesus right now to be close to me. Lord, I believe that you've got a word for all of us. So Lord, we're gonna dial in. We're not going to focus or think about anything else that's going on. And for these next few moments, Lord, Lord, we give you our attention and we ask for your spirit to move. If that's your prayer, say amen. Amen, amen, amen. It's good. Private Desmond Doss walked into the bloodiest battle of World War II's Pacific Theater with nothing to protect himself except for his Bible and his faith in God. Desmond Doss was a devout Seventh-day Adventist, and he was labeled in the army 
as a conscientious objector. You see, Desmond Doss had enlisted to serve in the U.S. Army during World War II. He he enlisted to serve as a medic, and he refused to carry a rifle. Now, I don't know if you know anything about being in the military, but even in the military, you have to carry something to fight the enemy with, an arm of some sort, something to protect you. Desmond Doss and his battalion were sent to an incredible hellish place called the Maeda Escarpment in April of 1945. The battlefield, which was located on the top of a, of a sheer 400-foot cliff, was fortified with a deadly network of, of Japanese machine gun nests and booby traps all over that mountain. The escarpment was named Hacksaw Ridge for the treacherously steep cliff. Now, the reason that this area was so important because... We believe that it was a key, a key place to win for the Battle of Okinawa. When Desmond Doss's battalion was ordered to, to go and fight, and, and much less when they were ordered to retreat because of the heavy fire and attack that they faced that several days on that Hacksaw Ridge, instead of retreating, this medic who refused to carry a weapon into battle refused to retreat while the rest of his battalion made their way down that hillside. Desmond Doss refused to leave his fallen comrades behind. Under barrage of gunfire and and explosions, Desmond Doss, in the midst of darkness, began to crawl on the ground from wounded soldier to wounded soldier. He he would find those that he could, could lend Uh, medical attention too. And he would do his best with with few supplies, with no cover from from his, his supporting troops. He did whatever he could to find those that were still alive and rescue them. He dragged several injured men from the edge of that ridge. And what he would do is he would tie a rope around them and lower them down that 400 foot cliff. These bodies, some with parts missing, some bleeding profusely, some hanging on barely to life. He would lower them down to medics that were standing down below. In an interview after the war, Desmond Doss says this, I was praying the whole time. I just kept praying, Lord, please help me get one more. Lord, I was praying the whole time. I just kept praying, Lord, please help me get one more. By the end of that night, those 12 hours on that ridge by himself, it is estimated that Desmond Doss rescued 75 men. Now, when you ask Desmond Doss, he would say that it was probably around 50, but his fellow soldiers gauged it closer to 100, and so they kind of met in the middle and said 75. Lord, would you help me please find one more? Lord, would you give me the strength to find one more? 
Lord, I need you right now as I go out to help me find one more. Many of you are familiar with the beginning words in John chapter 3, verse 16 that says this. For God so loved the world. I wonder, do we? In the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Is that our desire also? Today, I want us to launch out in a journey that will be a challenge to us. It's kind of a gut check time for us as a church. It's, it's a time for us to look inside and determine, hey, what are we willing to do to risk it to find one more? Well, what am I really willing to put myself through? How long will I continue to, to, to fight? How long will I continue to, to go to, to extremes in order just to find one more? Do I love the world as God loves the world? Is it my desire, just as it is a great God in heaven, is it my desire not to see anyone destroyed, but to give everyone an opportunity to repent and call upon the name of the Lord? Come on, church. You see, the question I have is, are we willing to do whatever it takes to find one more? Are we doing, willing to do whatever it takes to restore one more? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to save one more. <laughs> Once upon a time, a father and mother bird decided to build a nest in the vent in a kitchen range exhaust fan. The homeowners whose house this was were, were on vacation and, and this nest got so huge that it made this exhaust fan unworkable. Now, the homeowners learned about it when they returned home and they began noticing spiders hanging down from the hood over the stove. Now, I know for some of you, you'd say source of protein. But to them, this was not, this was not kosher. And so the homeowners, not really wanting to, to kill the nest full of babies, they, 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 they decided that we must do something. Now, they couldn't see these birds, but all they could hear them when these babies became hungry. And so the homeowners kind of devised a plan. They, they would wait until they saw the, the mom and dad bird take their babies out of that nest one day. And then they even said, hey, we're going to wait a, a couple of weeks just to make sure that all the birds are gone. And, and, and after that time period, the, the wife and the husband got a, got a long stick and they, they proceeded to to, to rake out the rest of that nest from the exhaust fan. And as that nest came, came out, they, they discovered, much to their surprise, the fattest baby bird they had ever seen still seated in that little nest. <laughs> so they went in, and, and not wanting to destroy that, that little baby, they, they, they picked up some gloves to put on, because, you know, if you touch them, it kills them. And they got a little box, and we're going to kind of make another way to transport this little bird to safety to, to find his family. But, but as soon as they came back to the nest, this, this little fat baby bird had gotten away. See, the problem was with this baby bird that he had become so fat. 
He wasn't able to get out of the nest. Today, I have a sermon for fat people. Now, before you laugh, you know that most of my sermons are written for me. But today, I want to preach to fat people. Anybody fat? Look at your neighbor right now and say, he's talking to you. <laughs> Don't you just feel encouraged when you come to church? We, we love to just boost people up and make them feel so. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 7, an Old Testament book, there's a first king, so this is second one. In 2 Kings chapter 7, we find an intriguing story. The capital city in 2 Kings chapter 7 is, is under siege. And no food is being able to be brought in to the city for a long time. Cisco, Benny Keith, their trucks, they just can't make it in. Budweiser, whatever, it just their trucks, there's no food, there's no nourishment being brought in to the city. And it's been an extended period of time. The people within that city are starving. In fact, people have even turned to, to cannibalism in order to stay alive. But God, who is able, is about to rescue them. They don't even know it yet, though. You see, what's happened is, is God is about to perform a miracle. How many of you believe that God is a miracle-working God? God is about to do a miracle here in 2 Kings chapter 7. You see, he's, he's about to take that opposing, attacking army outside the city, and, he, and he's about to do business with them. And what he does is, is he causes them to, to scatter somehow miraculously. They, 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 they scatter in, in such a fast, furious way that, that they leave their camp immediately. They leave behind all their belongings. They leave everything set as is. I can just imagine that maybe fire pits are still smoldering. And the biggest thing is they left behind all their supply of food. In 2 Kings chapter 7, we read about four lepers. How many lepers? Four. Just seeing if you're listening. There are four lepers, it says in 2 Kings chapter 7, who lived outside the wall of this city that has been under siege. This city where no food has been able to make its way in. This city where the people inside are turning to cannibalism in order to survive. And these four lepers lived outside the city walls because, you see, they lived on whatever scraps the people inside that city would throw over the city walls. That sounds bad, doesn't it? Just a side note, I, I went to the Philippines about 10 years ago and went to an area called Smoky Hill or Smoky Mountain. And in that area, it's the dump for the city of Manila. And there are people that scavenge within that area. And, and, and they showed me something in one of these little makeshift markets there within that area, uh, something in a Ziploc baggie known as Pod Pod. And what it was were the leftover chicken bones from the restaurants inside the city of Manila that these people would scavenge and get, and they would reboil them, package them in order to resell so that someone could survive. That's these lepers. They're living on the scraps that would be thrown over the city wall. The problem was no food had been coming in. There's no food for people to eat, and they're, they're starving. There are no scraps to be thrown away. 
They're really starving. And so these lepers here in 2 Kings chapter, chapter 7, they, they, they figure out this. Our best chance, our best chance to survive is, is, is to give up to the opposing army out here. We, we, we need to give ourselves up and let's just hope that they don't kill us. <laughs> That's the worst that could happen. But listen, even if they did, we're going to die anyway. There, there, there's nothing for us to eat. There's nothing for us to survive on. And so that's their plan. And these four lepers make their way to the enemy camp there and they discover this miracle that God had performed. The camp is now empty. Can't you just see them say, I can't believe this, saying that to one another? And, and, and what happens is they begin to gorge themselves on the food that the enemy left behind eating can't you just you ever been hungry how many of you right now are, are hungry anybody ever get hangry you know what it's like when you're hungry you'll eat just about anything anything um they find themselves in the midst of the enemy's camp they find the stockade of food and they begin to eat and gorge themselves on the food that's there. But after a matter of time, and I don't know how long it went, they, they, they come to this conclusion in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 9. They say this, this is not right. This is a day of good news and we aren't sharing it with anyone. <laughs> If we wait until the morning, some calamity, some trouble, something hard, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. You see what's happening here? These lepers had an abundance of food that everyone inside the city was starving for, and they just sat around and kept stuffing themselves. Come on now. This is where I'm about to talk to fat people right now today. They had found this food, and they're stuffing and gorging themselves while people inside the city, people that they could say, hey, had been feeding and supplying them for such a long time. Now they are crying. They begin to hear the cries of them. Are you beginning to see something here? Could, 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 could that maybe be a picture of you and me and our Savior? We, 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 we stuff ourselves with, with all the Christian stuff, don't we? We stuff ourselves with concerts. We stuff ourselves with seminars and sermons. Oh, man, we are downloading podcast after podcast. You, you used to work out to the best of Def Leppard, and now it's the best of Matt Chandler. We're listening to Christian radio. We read Christian books. We are gorging ourselves on Christian movies, and they're getting better, aren't they? We go to Christian meetings and Christian events. We're getting fat. There's a lot of fat birds in the house today. We're, we, we're, we, 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 we get fat on the events, and what's happening is, just like that little fat bird in the story I opened with today, so many of us 
are sitting in this Christian nest. And man, it feels good. It's comfortable in here. And we're just saying, let's just keep nesting. Let's just hunker down till Jesus comes. Amen. Praise glory. Hallelujah. Shalavaga. Okay, I better get back to the story of the lepers, right? Because you're going, what happened? Well, hearing the cries of the dying people coming from the city, these four lepers that found the food at some point, and I don't know if it was, if it was 10 minutes into the, the buffet or if it was an hour into it or a day into it, I don't know. But upon hearing the cries of the people dying in the city, they, they finally come to this conclusion. How can we sit on all this food? How can we just sit here on all this food? Well, how can we be focusing most of our Christian effort on just, just fattening up birds who are already overfed? How can we? Isn't it time, you think, for us to get out of the nest and begin flying into the world of lost neighbors and lost friends? Isn't it time for some of us to quit sitting around in a nest in a comfortable chair or a comfortable pew and start flying? Start sharing. Some of us need to exercise. We're just a bunch of fat birds. We're sitting here, and we're sitting on something incredible that a lost and dying and broken world needs, and oh, we're just going to hunker down and, ooh, give me some more. Oh, give me a juicy fat worm. Give me another event. You better come up with another sexy marketing program in order for me to sign up to serve on an Easter weekend. I'm just not going to do it because I'm just fat. Shame on us, church. Shame on us. You know I'm preaching right now, and I'm about to offend somebody. I don't care. Bishop T.D. Jake says, you ain't preaching if you ain't offending somebody. Let me ask you a question this morning. Who was the last person you shared the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ with? Who? Have you ever done that? Or are you just sitting around gorging yourself on all the Christian food that, that this church and all the churches in the surrounding area and all the great pastors, we are blessed in the hill country. We have great events. We've got great things you can participate in to grow you. There's great music. There's... Man, 27 God TV channels on your TV. We got so many. Are we just sitting around gorging ourselves on all the Christian food that's being thrown out there? Or are we doing something with it? Who's the last person you told about the difference that Jesus has made in your life? Who's the last person you told? Man, we're quick to tell people, man, my kid made the A honor roll. My, 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 my kid's team, man, they won first place. 
Or, hey, man, I just got a promotion at work. Or, you know what, man, I just, realtor of the month. Realtor, not realtor, it's realtor. R-E-A-L-T-O-R. There's no A between the L and the T. It's realtor. We are so quick to tell all those other accolades and life accomplishments. Who's the last person you sat and told about the difference Jesus has made in your life? You know I'm preaching right now. And you know where you're at on that spectrum, don't you? That's for the paid professionals. That's why we pay you, Jason. You go get it. Go get it, boy! Woo! Who's the last person you shared with? I'm just wondering if our prayer today might become that of a young Desmond Doss, a Seventh-day Adventist who prayed, Lord, would you please help me get one more? Or are we content? Are we satisfied? We, 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 we like the birds in this nest. Nobody better show them take my spot in the nest. They better not get my parking spot in the nest parking. They, they, they better not, you know what I'm saying? Are, are we satisfied? Are we content? I am so thankful for stories like a Desmond Doss who said, you know what? I grabbed one, Lord. Woo! No, 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 Lord. Because I hear the cries of my fellow soldiers out there and they're hurting and they're dying. Lord, help me. I need to go find them. Lord, I can't see. The smoke is too dense. Darkness has fell. Lord, I don't even know where the enemy is, but Lord, Lord, would you please help me find one more who's the last person you told You know, churchgoers struggle with sharing Christ with non-Christians, according to a recent study of church-going American Protestants. We struggle with that. There was a study conducted by Lifeway Research that found this, that 80% of those who attend church one or more times a month, 80% of the people who attend church one or more times a month, a month. They believe, they do believe that they have a personal responsibility to share their faith. 80%. 80% of the people that come, I have a personal responsibility to share my faith. But the research shows that only 61%, or the research shows that 61% have not told another person how to become a Christian in the previous six months. 80% believe that we have a personal responsibility to share our faith, but 61% have not done it within six months. Wow. Whoa. Man, you're not going to let the ink dry on the certificate you get for an accomplishment at work or school, but man, you're not going to share the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Are you with me? And and ask how many times they ask these people, hey, how many times have you personally invited an unchurched person to attend church service or some other program at your church? How many times have you invited someone to come and see? How many times? 48% of church attendees responded Zero. You you know what I mean? Look around this room. Half of you in this room never invite someone to come and experience what God is doing. And we wonder, 
why crap going on in our world is still happening today, why kids are being abused and mistreated, why human trafficking is such a problem. We, we, we wonder why husbands still cheat on their wives we, or wives cheat on their husbands. We, we wonder why this, this, and this, and who's going to pay for And we, we, you know what? Because we're not doing, we're fat birds. And we're just content sitting in the nest. 48% of you will not invite someone to church, statistics say. 33% say that they've personally invited someone, woo, one or two times. Praise Jesus. Even if personal invitations are, are even if personal, the personal invite, guys, it is the most effective form of increasing visitor traffic to your church. Statistics say that nearly half of the people surveyed have not invited any unchurched person to church. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. <laughs> I, I wonder, no, I don't wonder. I, I love what Charles Spurgeon said. Charles Spurgeon said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Which one are you? If you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, if you've said yes to Jesus Christ and his spirit lives within you, which one, are you a missionary or are you a poser today? You just going through the motions? Is it time already? Just stay with me. Are you a missionary? Or are you an imposter? Who's the last person you told about Jesus? Who's the last person you just invited to come and see? Who's the last person you say, hey, I would just love for you to get a little taste of the Lord and see. Woo, he is good. Who? Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 36, Jesus said he saw the crowds. The scripture says he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I wonder with a show of hands today, how many of you know somebody like this in your life today? They're harassed and they seem very helpless. They seem very confused, dazed. They're wandering around aimlessly. Anybody know anybody? If you don't know anybody, you need to start rubbing shoulders with somebody that's out of the church. You see, that's the problem with us there as well. Fat birds like to hang out with fat birds in the nest. We need to hang out with some lost people. Come on, somebody. We need to hang out with some lost people. And oh, you are. They're around you all the day. They're coaching your kid's little league team. Or they're the parent that gripes and still thinks that they're a stud athlete. And those people never were any good when they played, by the way. <laughs> they're not. Listen, athletes know how to conduct themselves even when the game is over, the people that are barking and yelling the most sucked as a kid playing sports. They did. They did. You start, start checking out. Start watching people. You work with people like that. You go to school with people. They're on your team. They're the school crossing guards. They're teachers. Do you know anybody that's confused and helpless? 
they're wandering around this thing called life like a sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are what? What is the harvest? Workers are few. And so pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more concert artists into the community. Hey, have him send Billy Graham in a tent to the city. Hey, would you just, hey, just do more stuff. We need another channel on TV. Nope. Jesus says, ask the Lord who is in charge of the harvest to send more workers into his fields. You know who those workers are? It's you and I. It's the spiritually fat birds that are in this house today or watching online. Jesus is saying that it's time for us to get out of the nest and to get out into the fields. Hey, he says that people are ready. People are ready. Jesus says, we lack the workers though. We, the, the, the birds are not getting out of the nest. They're not going to bring them in. Hey, can I just tell you something? The problem is not lost people. The problem is believers not going to reach them. Hey, so you know why more people aren't coming to know who Jesus is? It may be our fault. Now, I know what you're saying. Oh, come on now. You're saying that I... We don't save people. No, no, no. Remember what we say. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict. It's God's job to judge. It's our job to, to love. To love. But the problem's not your lost friends or teachers or coworkers or teammates or your neighbors. They're not the problem. The problem is birds aren't getting out of the nest and they're not going. And we're content just to have another worm dangled over eat. They better sing the songs that I like today because I need to be fed. Oh, the preacher's sermon better be good. He needs to feed me, feed me, feed me. Come on. Some of us are acting like little freaking babies. And we're expecting a grown man who makes mistakes to do our feeding for us? If I didn't make some home visits and feed you this week, let me know. I'll do my best, but you're going to feed yourself. The problem's us. And it's not about we need another program or we need another home group to participate in or we need another discipleship strategy or, hey, they better have some sort of sexy marketing you know, plan in order to get me to sign up to serve. No, no. The problem is we just need to be willing to get out of the nest. I'm just wondering. Will you be willing to do that? See, listen, I believe that it's time to pray for our lost friends to come to know who Jesus Christ is. Not just our friends, but even lost people that we know. When's the last time you prayed for a lost person by name? That they would come to know who Jesus is? More about that in the weeks to come. Or maybe it's time for us, how can we turn our resources in this house outward to save a dying world instead of spending it all inwardly to fatten the living? People are dying. People are dying. 
And can I just remind you that, that when they die without Jesus, they go to an unthinkable eternity. Can't you just hear God saying to us today, hey, listen, my son gave his life for these lost people. Will will, will someone leave the Christian nest and start giving their lives for the lost ones? (laughs) Hey, listen, that's why this church exists. 1910 Church does not exist to fatten living people. We exist to find people that are far from God and bring them back into a relationship with him. Some of you are saying, bro, that's cruel. What do you mean? You mean you don't care about my spiritual growth? And No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But, 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 But I just want you to know that our passion are for people that have never said yes to Jesus. That's our greatest calling. And absolutely, we're going to do whatever we can to help you grow and become a disciple of Jesus and, and be, be ready and prepared and equipped. So when you leave here, anytime you're on this campus, to go out armed and prepared and ready to tell people who Jesus is, absolutely, that is our, that's our commitment to you. But listen, you need to know that our number one goal are to find people that Jesus died for. You once were one of those believers. You once were one of those people. But now that you've said yes to Jesus, I'm just wondering, will you be willing to get out of the nest and fly? Would would, would you be willing to go and, and to share or invite someone? Maybe you're you're the one here today said, Lord, I'm I'm ready. I'll do it. I was asking this, the Lord this morning, said, Lord, would you just break our hearts for the lost people around us? Lord, would you just somehow plant a piece of your heart in us? Lord, would you help us to begin to see people the way you see them? You know, a lot of these men that Desmond Doss rescued off of Hacksaw Ridge were, were men that had made his army life miserable harassed him, were brutal to him. Men that had even said, in fact, his captain, Captain Glover said, I'll never go into battle with you, Doss. But yet he was one of the men that Desmond Doss rescued off that ridge. I'm just wondering, would we have the same desire for the Lord to to send us and be willing to go and be willing to risk it just to save one more. Church, there are dying people all around us. Don't be a fat bird just hanging out in the nest. Would you guys stand with me this morning as we get ready to head out? Thank you guys for listening and I hope you know my heart for people. My heart is God's heart for people. I pray that God's heart for people would become all of our hearts for people. That we would be willing to risk it all to find one more. Prayer ministry team, I want to invite you to come and stand down front with us. I'm going to pray and dismiss us today. 
And our team stands ready this morning as others are exiting. If you would love to be prayed over, maybe you're dealing with something in life, a struggle, a battle, a difficulty. Our team stands ready and prepared this morning down front to encourage you and come alongside of you. Maybe you're here this morning saying, you know what, I, 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 I know that, that God loves me and Jesus died on the cross for me. I've just never given my life to him. Hey, today could be the beginning of a new life for you. So whatever you need today, we stand ready to come alongside of you. Lord Jesus, thank you for the reminder today that it's time for us to get out of this Christian nest and to begin to go to a world that is hurting and dying, a world that is dazed and confused, confused and helpless. They're wandering around like sheep without a shepherd. God, you are calling us, the church, to go. To go and to tell them who Jesus is. To invite them to come to to experience the greatness of, of who you are. And Lord, let us be reminded of what you said in Acts chapter 1-8, that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And Lord, you call us to go and to be your witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God, you're calling us to be witnesses in our homes, in Bernie, in Pipe Creek, in Bandera, in Comfort, in Kerrville, in Bulverde, in Spring Branch, in Leon Springs, in San Antonio, to the ends of the earth, Lord, wherever we come from, Lord, you're calling us to go. We have the power. It's your spirit in us. God, let us get out of this nest. And let us go to find one more. We go today in your power, in yours alone. And we go for your glory. It's in your great name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed. Looking to get more involved in the life of 1910, or if you made a decision today, make sure to check out the I've Made a Decision tab below. Tune in with us next week at 10 o'clock online, or run to the house at 8.30, 10 o'clock, or 11.30.